Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer in Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent much of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This month, we're checking out New Earths as we hop across the DC-verse on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the... Forgotten Entertainment Family. Hello, and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is a man who always screams, robots should be free as he steals a Teddy Ruxpin. It's Mr. <laughs> Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? Hey, first of all, that was a great toy, man. <laughs> it was. It's incredible. I, I love them. I love them. It's almost the same quality as like, you know, all the other like cyborgs we had all through the 80s and 90s. It was like excellent tech. Like who didn't want the Rocky Four robot? It's true. <laughs> or Johnny Five. Yeah. Yeah. Gareth Edwards would be very jealous of the Teddy Ruxman, I think. Maybe that's what kicked him off. He's probably around our age. I would think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, good to see you, sir. <laughs> we got a lot on our plate. Uh, we had a very busy week. Like, we went from absolutely nothing to everything all at once, as as we note uh, in the intro. That's what we do. It's what we cover here. The Netflix gauntlet that I told you last week, we got stuff at the box office kicking back up again as we get into the horror season of October, plus the Oscar season and everything else going on. And then on top of it, a bunch of streaming shows that, of course, they're all week to week that we're just trying to follow and catch up with all at the same time. It's nuts out there, Shane. It's a lot going on, brother. I mean, a lot. I think I told you off the mic, I had a busy week, but yet I think I've watched the most television I have in a long time, which is saying a lot if you know me. Yeah, I, sure. I, I watched yeah. it anyway, but this was, like you said, we had a lot going on. And yeah. episodes we won't cover today that are still going on right now. For sure, because you got stuff like Ahsoka and Only Murders in the Building wrapping up yeah. this week, right? They're both yeah, yeah. wrapping up yeah. this week? Thank God Asnuska's wrapping up. <laughs> I know. And then, of course, then Loki will start right back up in yeah. its place. So hopefully that's a better experience so we can continue uh, praising the mouse at s- sometimes. Although I will tell you, because we're going to lead off here with the creator, uh, which is the movie we both saw at the movies this week the a lot of the time when i was watching it and just seeing that the world that was created in that movie by someone who obviously we'll call it started rogue one was most of the director of rogue one however you want to play it i'm looking at the effects and everything else and i'm going god couldn't they just let this guy run it like, like, good God, now we're sitting here with green screen upon green screen, fake stuff, all this, whatever, and then just the world building, at least on a, on a production design level, the detail. I was just like, good God, this is what Star Wars should look like. Yep. Whether the movie's good, we'll get into that in a minute, but do you agree at least on that level that like you're just oh. like, good God, shouldn't Absol- this be what Star Wars looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And the fact I find it hilarious, like you said, like... They promoted this movie with him saying he's the director or Rogue One is how they promoted him during this movie. 
Yeah, that's like two thirds right. Like I don't know where Tony Gro- Tony Gilroy starts and he ends and how it works because they, you know, you hear rumors of like, well, this scene was Edwards, this scene was Gilroy. It's so tough. It's kind of like when AI came out. Do you remember that? Where it was like, you know, it was something that Stanley Kubrick started and Spielberg finished. Right. And it was like, oh, man, this part must be Spielberg because it feels so Spielbergian action-adventure. And then they're like, no, actually, Kubrick shot that. And you're like, I don't know anything anymore. So you just <laughs> right. like you just stop looking, and you're like, fuck this, okay? So this movie, uh, or at least Rogue One, had that feeling to me of like, I don't know. I know they reshot the ending you know, because you could see what was in the trailer versus what was in the movie. And you could be like, well, they obviously cut it before uh tony gilroy took over so that's a whole other thing i don't want to get too sidetracked on that we have so much to cover (laughs) but the creator you know this is such a big swing um for for a movie to come out you know it's not ip it's a director who has chops who has done stuff in the ip world working in the godzilla universe star wars as we mentioned and then now doing his own thing with a with a sizable budget not a huge like marvel or star wars budget but a sizable budget um but came in third at the box office behind paw patrol and saw x so you gotta feel bad you gotta feel a little bad for a person who's taking such a gamble and a studio who's taking the gamble which ironically is also disney (laughs) by extension because it's a fox product or whatever that you know they're backing him once again to make a movie uh that is not Star Wars-esque, but in, a, in that type of world, dealing with, you know, artificial intelligence and cyborgs and everything else. So it's interesting. But it only made $32 million worldwide, $14 million domestic. And it's got to be a tough pill because that Paw Patrol movie could have easily been a streaming movie years ago. Right. And I think the first one was borderline day and date. And good God, now it's going to lose. <laughs> You're going to lose. Losing uh, to the that. Yeah. And Saw X, which at least Saw X, you know, it's like we're into October now. You know, I get the feeling it's we're into the fall. So it's going to happen. But good God, that's that's a tough pill. But it is getting pretty decent scores. 3.5 letterbox, 7.2 IMDb, 63 Metascore, and 68 and 77 on the Rotten Tomato critics and audience side. As I said, it's a, it's a beautiful movie to look at. But I need to know, Shane, what did you think of the creator as you were watching mm. it? Man, I'll tell you. Ooh. I was looking forward to this one. I, I like uh, Gareth Edwards. Like you said, from Godzilla, I'm a big Godzilla freak. I like monsters, so I was all aboard with uh, him here. Yeah. And I like, like you said, I like seeing non-IP movies. Yeah. And I was really hoping, and I hope word of mouth gets out about this movie, because overall, this movie takes some big swings. And I think... They connect on most of them. I mm. think he does. Like you said, the cinematography, the, the it's visually stunning. It's a beautifully made movie. Yeah. I, I love the cast. I But the one thing I did not care for was the main plot with John David Washington and mother and his wife and that whole right. thing. Yeah. That, that was the weakest. It's like, and again, it's a paper thin plot. It really is. Yeah. And I think that was brought down the movie for me just a little bit. Right. And it took me a little bit to get involved with the whole uh, Alfie uh, character. Mm-hmm. Um, but as she develops, as the movie goes along, I really liked it. 
I love, I mean, I, I sat here loving this movie. I just wish it was, I don't want to say better. Yeah. Better written. I just wish the story kind of grabbed me a little bit more and why I should care about like John David Washington and get, you know, his, his wife and what his main mission is. But like Allison Janney's character, Mm-hmm. basically like she says the one line i'm like damn right like you are the most selfish son of a bitch, probably <laughs> and i was like he is like, yeah pretty much but yeah i had a great time with this movie it didn't feel like two hours and 15 minutes to me because mm-hmm. i was so just enthralled with the world that gareth built like it just sucked me right in and when we got the action pieces to this it was it was just fantastic. I loved this movie. Yeah, I think the action stuff was the high point to me as well. Um, and I agree with a lot of the things you said. I think, you know, just to let people know the the plot of this film, it's against the backdrop of a war between humans and robots with artificial intelligence, uh, where a former soldier finds the secret weapon, a robot in the form of a young child, as you were mentioning, Alfie, uh, this kind of, you know, we've we've seen this, in a plot before, you know, where a mm-hmm. child represents like this futuristic kind of weapon or answer to end a war, etc. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, T2 in a sense you could call that or, or there's more, but it's it's lone wolf and cub. It's it's getting yeah. into the tried and trues in in that regard. Um, as I mentioned up top, amazing character and world building designs, like the the actual like the the hole through the cyborg heads and the and the movement and the integration with all that into, you know, a not so distant future um, is interesting to look at and, and have that feel. Um, the new Asia stuff was kind of fun, but I, I understand certain problematic elements with it a little bit because um, a lot of people kind of saw it as, you know. It's not like they show everybody seemed like to be a peasant farmer uh, instead of like this glowing kind of like, well, is old Asia thriving? Because new Asia kind of looks like it's having a tough time. <laughs> so you could you could go with that. I understand that one. But like I said, I, you know, I, I wish this guy was more in the Star Wars universe. I also wish he had, you know, a guy like a Tony Gilroy to kind of give you a veteran screenwriter to give you maybe a thicker story here. Um, I also think john david washington is not i don't think he was the right casting i don't think Mm. it's his fault i think he did fine but it's not to his strengths i think he's kind of the weak link of the movie a little bit um the ending's a little predictable because they went for saccharin and it you know played its hand the film is a little long um the finale didn't have as big of an emotional impact as it really really wanted um, but it still landed the plane or the pod, uh, the escape pod or whatever you want to say, uh, with it. But the one thing that kept sticking in my craw, cause again, I, I will agree. I, I liked, but didn't love this movie. I thought, you know, certain things like the action and the, and the world building is so incredible. It's so top notch that you root for this guy. You root for this to be a better end result. <laughs> but honestly, I did you sit there and have this feeling? Because we had this conversation many times this year with Air, Blackberry, Tetris, many of these things. Did you sit there for a minute and go, are we seriously supposed to be rooting for the robots in this movie? Like, I'm yeah. rooting, like, this is the, like, a weirder championing job than Air rooting for Nike to succeed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, no, it, I- 
instead, it's like, especially right now, it's a little tone deaf, isn't it? Because like we're literally having like the entertainment business at the helm of an anti-AI striking time. And this movie comes out and you're like, good. This just does. Even with a child involved, it's like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, they did. They they try to like draw you with that whole moral debate or dilemma that you should have, right? Sure. And I think they gave the AI droids or cyborg, whatever you want to call them. They did try to make you feel for them and they try to show emotion and you're like pulling over them because all the human elements, they're all outside of Joshua, which again, he's, as we discussed, he's a little bit selfish for his, his reasons for going on this mission, but they portrayed <laughs> the humans as the the evil empires you may say because well, especially ken, the americans you know it's yeah the americans specifically american yeah yeah because even ken wantabi's character he gives you the after the events of what happened in the movie he has that one line where it's like he says it and i don't want to spoil anything but it's like oh now we should feel even more sympathy for you yeah like you know yeah. what i mean do you know what part i'm talking about yeah where the the error yeah yes yeah. The, yes. the code the code yeah. stuff it wasn't our fault yeah right yeah and uh and again, uh, to loop back what I was saying about the writing, I thought the end the end was very much tied too nicely into a bow, with yeah. especially the last scene with Joshua, David, uh, John David's character. And yeah. I, I do agree, like, I don't think he does. He's not an act. I'm sorry. He just he doesn't pull the action part of this movie out to me. Um, he's not like you said, he's not. I don't know who they could have cast instead of him, but I felt like they could have went in a different direction. But I did laugh, though. Because in this world, folks, uh, the AIs they uh, smoke apparently, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and when they're eating a drink, I'm like, why do they need to eat and drink? Like, yeah, why I did is have she that. gonna? Yeah. yeah, why is she gonna get ice cream? Like, right, uh, okay, and they sleep, which I'm guessing they're just charging, recharging their batteries and stuff. But it's maybe like- it's run like the DeLorean, Shane. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> where you just have Mister Junk in the back, where it just turns their stuff into energy. I did not, but I was just laughing on the raid of the village. <laughs> like you saw three of them just like smoking whatever they were smoking, like they're high or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like okay, You're just wasting resources left yeah. and right. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, and getting back to you, I, I laugh because you're right. Even the farmers in the farmland. But if you saw the city they visited earlier in the movie, do you really want to be there? No. Right. <laughs> you know what I felt like, and this sometimes happens, and you watch a lot of monster movies too, so it kind of happens a lot, but. <laughs> Did you watch Fraggle Rock as a kid? Oh, loved it. Yeah. So doesn't it feel like they're almost like the doozers? Like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> they're going to just destroy our farm and we're going to rebuild. <laughs> just, oh, shucks. Let's not die. <laughs> as these fucking huge things just come plowing through. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's great. That's a great call there. Yeah. yeah <laughs> damn, me- damn Wembley and Red. Exactly. Just <laughs> Who the hell cares about radishes, man? Move on with your life. <laughs> <laughs> radishes um but yeah man it, it, they all felt like the gorged you know everybody just killing stuff and uh and then uh, isn't that kind of funny mama trash heaps kind of like this uh clairvoyant thing it's all kind of going together right this kind of savior <laughs> thing I, maybe i need to write a paper all right so but let's kind of rein this in man because i okay. think we got a lot to the to the points and stuff so where'd you land score wise because i think this one's a little hard because there's arguments on both sides for why we should be championing or throwing this one aside right i think my score is going to reflect everything i liked outside of i'm going to elevate the stronger points of this movie 
to overcome what I thought was the weak points of this movie. So I scored it a four. In the Andrew world, if I had to cheat, I would go 4.25. Oh, interesting. Cheat higher. I would cheat higher because I was really sucked in, like I said, and I was just visually blown away. So Mm. for me, I'll give it a four. I saw this movie on an IMAX screen, and I'm still giving it the Andrew cheat 3.25. Okay. Oh, wow. Because to me, three and a half felt too high for all the trappings of that script. And if your lead is uh, an out-and-out problem of sorts for, for part of the film, I just can't do it, you know? Okay. Okay. So so to me, again, I want this guy to keep doing more. I think he's done well with other worlds, other films. And I think if there was a stronger screenwriter, like we said, this could have been a possible future franchise stuff. I don't know, you know, because someone needs to step in here. We've said this about other filmmakers before where you're just like, God, if they only had a screenwriter like to go with them, their visual acumen is so damn good. Right. Um, and yeah, I hope he, he finds one. I hope he finds a pairing that works out because yeah, I mean, it's a three and a half letterbox. Could I get there on its best day? Probably, but again, I think in rewatches, the story is what's going to subtract because you're not sitting there and watching it on a giant screen every time with the best sound in the world and everything else where I just think it's going to go down um, as a score. So I think I'm closer to the to the meta score where they were like 63. So that's, you know, basically a, a th- you know three out of right. five score kind of thing or a little higher. So I think I'm right there. Okay. Three points. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Um. While I was there, by the way, I don't want to dwell on this, but my God, man, uh, I don't know if you've seen it or whether you're a fan of the talking heads, but for the first time I saw Stop Making Sense in IMAX, I did a double feature on a Wednesday night, which is insane. I know. Uh, I did the creator first and then Stop Making Sense for dessert. And man, so good. That movie is incredible. It's honestly like it's, it's touted. I don't know if you're into like concert films or any of these things. It's one of the most well-designed movies, like the storytelling on just doing just a set list of things. It's just incredible. Like I, I like things like the last waltz and other concert films, you know, like the Metallica ones or whatever, or I grew up on, you know, your VH1 storytellers and MTV unplugged and whatever else. And a lot of those things have a lot of heart and everything else. This one was just delightful. Uh, and to do it in IMAX with the big sound and the big visuals and everything else. So cool. The big suit, you know, everything just works. Uh, are you okay. a fan at all? Talking Heads? Uh, any yeah. Um, yeah. So like someone like me, I was like, I'm a quasi fan. So for yeah. someone like me, what I because I do enjoy those kind of movies and documentaries with music and all that kind of stuff. So for someone who's like would get like the best of Talking Heads. Would it work? Does it work for the quasi fans like myself? Yeah, because the original movie came out in 84. So you're going to miss a few of the like big hits, but you'll get, you know, your psycho killers, your once in a lifetimes, you know, take me to the river, all that stuff. Like, so you're going to get enough hits and you're also get, um, you know, just the spectacle of it, you know? Right. And it's, and if you're into the filmmaking of it too, because the way it's a slow progression where they just, it starts out with just David Byrne and then it adds members and adds things and adds things and adds things to where it looks like it went from like a repertory theater to like playing a, you know, a stadium show like by the end of it. So it builds and builds and builds. 
and just the the instrumentation all that stuff incredible so like all the layers they add it's impressive plus they do um the uh the tom tom club song because yep. that's you know obviously part of the talking heads members so they do that in between so it's it's pretty cool too so i recommend it i can't recommend it enough if you're I, i'm before all this started happening i i wasn't the biggest talking heads fan and then like i mean again same as you give me the hits love them they're great now i'm i'm deep cutting because okay. like between the movie I listened to like a four hour podcast on them. <laughs> uh, like I went so deep and then I've been just going and it's just, yeah, I'm a big fan now. I'm, I'm, okay. I, it's added to the layers. So that's great. Um, but let's move on to the streaming stuff. Now I, I teased last week where I was like my, my review for Netflix was the upcoming uh, Benicio del Toro crime drama reptile, which I was like, I need to know Shane's opinion on this because I was into it. The world seems to be mixed on it, and I need my boy to back me up, hopefully, once again, as as we have on the negative side with things like Bottoms and other things where I'm like, come on, man. I just need to not be on an island. <laughs> so let me – how did you feel about it? I, I, I dug it. I gave it a, a positive review on my yep. write-up for what's on Netflix.com if anyone wants to check that out. Um, what would you think? came out over the weekend. Yeah. I, I First of all, I kind of looked at the Rotten Tomato stuff, and I was like, wow, because – it got more, beat up a little. Yeah, more often than not, you always see where the director or the critic score is low, but the audience score is so high. This is the inverse. Like, the critics did not like this movie. Yeah. Where the audience scored it like 30 points higher. I think the audience was at 77, while the critics were like in the 40s on this movie. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so anyway. <clears throat> so, and you said, well, if you like cop, you mentioned Copland, so I had that in my head. Yeah, like, the Copland, entire time. True Detective. There's a couple of things, right? Yeah. Killing me softly, that kind of thing. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what the critics were drinking when I was watching this movie. Thank you. I thought this was a well written. I thought Del Toro's performance was so understated, like just, just so he, he's so good in this movie. Like if you're Del. Yeah. Um, Del Toro fan, he is so good in this movie. He should um, be every hard-boiled cop ever made ever again. He's yeah. so good. Yeah, the Justin Timberlake character came off well. I thought the casting was great. I was kind of surprised to see Alicia Silverstone here. And let me I just say, holy moly! Do you see the? Remember the first scene where we see her come in there? I was like, this is a '90s phrase, people. So a lot of younger people may not get this, but she's got some junk in the trunk now. I was yeah. like, holy crap! Did she, she get got like? Implants she got mob bod, but I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she was great in this movie. Like, she is. I love their a, relationship. Yeah. I could watch a, them kind of play off all day. Right. It's a very, very slow burn. It's a slow burn. It is. But it draws you in with the performances. And once the plot gets going and you're trying to figure out, like, okay, what the hell's going on? And he, uh, Del Toro's character gets deeper and deeper into this. That's where it kind of gets the Copland feeling. Yeah. But man, it, it was probably one of the best Netflix movies I've seen in a long time. I, yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and thank you, thank you. I feel <laughs> I feel so refreshed now. I feel so uh, vindicated in my review. Um, but do you get like the okay? So here's my thoughts on it too. Is in the same way as the creator, we were kind of like trying to find the good in it more because it's non IP. It's a swing. It's a big sci-fi spectacle that, 
you know, you want to see come out in movie theaters. Doesn't this movie just like, where the hell did these movies go? Like they all went to, you know, crime miniseries. Basically, right. they're all mayor of Easttown. They're all true detective. They're all whatever. Like, when was the last time you watched a basically a good, I'll say even a good version of this type of movie, just like a twisty crime drama that wasn't complete, like most of them are complete shit. And honestly, as watching a lot of the Netflix versions of them, they're not good. This movie's good. It's good. And I can't think of the last time I saw a movie of this genre type. In a theater, like you're right, in a theater, that I was like, man, that was that was really good. Like, yeah, because there's bad ones like The Snowman, or things right. like that, you know. And again, that's not streaming. I think it got a theater run first, but like, you know, everything is like more like just straight, like either like mob stuff or whatever. This one just being like a straight like figure out the case and entertain me. Right? Why? Why, why are there not a million of these every year? Right, something like Kiss the Girls, that kind of like... Right, yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, you're right, those movies, I love those movies, man, And but I can see where some people are like, oh, this is, they're taking a while to get to this freaking... I, I loved it, though. Like you said, it had a true detective feel, and it had a Copland feel, and I'm in for it, man. I'm in yeah. for the ride, yeah. Yeah, and I liked all those, the characters in the precinct stuff, I thought they utilized all of them really well, the cast is so deep. I was impressed, it's, man. Yeah, yeah, the cast is good, but they're not like well-known A actors. A lot of them are like you've seen them on like TV, sh- like cop shows or TV shows or miniseries. They're not like, yeah, you know, big movie people, really. Yeah, and that's why I think it works. And again, I I said in there, this is a first-time director, uh, Grant Singer, I believe is his name, uh, who's the he was a music video director, first time doing a feature, and you can you could see some of the flaws. You know, right. in terms of like the construction, the flow of the film is a little jagged, and some right. of the editing choices and music choices, ironically for a music video director, is a little little odd at times. But that doesn't distract from the fact that this movie just works. Yeah, and, and it's a satisfying ending without being like too like aha about it. You know, right? It's like you see it coming and you know what you have to do. Everything works. Yeah. And by the way, I think his name is um, Michael Pitt. Yeah, oh. That guy always plays a lunatic, yes. and I love it. <laughs> Sometimes it's awful. Sometimes he's really bad. Like, he just goes way too hard in the paint. This right. one, it's a little mixed, like, that he do- it's kind of too hard for this movie. But at the same time, I'm like, God, this is kind of a cool curveball yeah, every so often it, in this movie. Yeah, it was good. And I noticed that Del Toro, I think he helped produce this movie, and he's one of the writers yeah. on this movie. Which I, I think don't he's think- one of the I'm curious to see, because it was already a two-man writing job. I think he might have gotten a written either credit. either in a rewrite, or a lot of times if you do enough improv lines, you get a writer's credit. So yeah, I wonder okay. if they kind of played with that a little bit. Okay, but yeah, this is a performer. If you're a Del Toro friend, like I said, he just makes you... He, he, he glues your eyes to the screen, man. Yeah. I know, and he's so good at being, like, subtle, but he's just seething, and even just the extra layers of, like, his personal life and some and where he came from and all this, I thought those layers were very useful. I didn't think they wasted a lot of stuff, even though, yeah, it can be slow. Yeah, it can't, uh, but I was engrossed. I was in. Right. I didn't this care. Is, yeah, this is the best performance in Sicario, in my opinion. That's what I said in my uh, <clears throat> review. Yeah. Yeah, so I, let me just... absolutely. 
um, real quick, did you <laughs> did you think uh, Silverstone had anything going on with the uh, uh, construct the uh, construction guy, or do you I think, think Del Toro kind of had that in his head? I think he maybe cut it off at the pass. I think it was about to get there, maybe, and then okay re- rerouted. I thought that was an interesting scene. Loved it um, between the the you know, the uh, what do you call it square yeah. dance whatever yeah. stuff yeah. and yeah. Yeah, I dug yeah, his, all that. Yeah, his name is Thad Luckinbill, and the reason why I know that because he was on Young and the Restless. He still is, and I am admit, admitting I'm a huge <laughs> Young and the Restless fan. Yeah, you're so. a YNR. Yeah, yeah, I'm a YNR guy. Yeah. Well, he also I think was a producer on the film, if I'm not mistaken. He sure was. Yep. Him and his brother. It's yep. another Luckinbill, right? It's a very uncommon name, so I think I saw that in that. So yeah, no, a solid film. Um, I don't know where I, I put it for the year, but I think I gave it a. Th- Three and a half out of uh, out of five. So that's what I gave it. Yeah, good stuff, man. And that's what I'm saying. See the flaws, but also enjoy the ride. So that's a movie, perfect. And again, perfect for streaming too. Dial it up on Netflix right now. Check out my review. What's on Netflix.com? I'll stop plugging myself. Maybe, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, check this out. Um, the uh, the Wes Anderson ride also happened. Uh, since we last spoke, uh, the four shorts. I know you didn't watch all of them, and I know Wes Anderson's been getting a little on your nerves, so I won't uh, belabor this one either. <laughs> this might, this is all you, bud. <laughs> yeah. But what did you think about the release strategy, though? Four shorts <clears throat> over four days. Did you take yeah, that? I like that. Yeah, I like that model. Because yeah. didn't um, Cabin's Curiosity kind of had a similar model, if I'm not mistaken? I think it maybe it wasn't all at once, but I forgot how they laid it out. It was similar. It was like over the course of a week or something like that. I think that might be right. Yeah, I like that model. Yeah. I could dig it. Yeah, I did too. And it was kind of fun watching like people, you know, log them in on Letterbox like over the days and who caught up and where the scores were. And, you know, especially seeing like what people thought the best ones were and in my head kind of debating whether that's right, which I didn't fully agree, but they were all pretty close. This is Wes Anderson doing Raul Dahl which he's a big fan, of course. Uh, Everybody who saw Fantastic Mr. Fox knows his love for this. He pitched the Raul Dahl camp as well as Netflix, and they instantly said yes, uh, and they were really into the idea. Yeah, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar was the first one uh, to come out, and it's the longest one. It's the 40-minute one. The other ones are around 15, 20 minutes tops, and they're they're all done in this very interesting style that I'm sure if it, annoyed me would have made Shane throw something at a television to where they literally do this in a very kind of like stage play style construction of sorts, as well as reading every bit of dialogue to the screen. And like, basically they're reading the book and, and acting out at the same time. So it's a lot. It's impressive as a, like, I couldn't do that kind of thing with the acting where it's got to feel jarring to kind of have that kind of constant repetition for that long. It's kind of like musicians when you're like, they play like an 18 minute song and you're like, Jesus, this is a lot, you know, and you're just kind of (laughs) like impressed by it. But also like, you're like, well, this song could have been five minutes. Why do I like jam bands? So like, maybe you have a little (laughs) bit of that kind of thing going around. But when it works, it works, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. I thought in shorter breaths, like, or certain actors, certain scenes, I think, work. But as, like, full compositions, I think they're fine. 
and could be a little grating being longer. Like that 41 feels long because of that kind of style because it's like you can't get your breath and not in like an action way where you can kind of like just do it. You kind of have it have to have just like wash over you. <laughs> like to watch it once is like a lot. You know, it's a lot <laughs> to take in. So I think at first blush, you know, these these things are getting like between three and a half and almost four on letterbox. I think it's probably a little too high for what they are, but I under I can appreciate the difficulty. I can appreciate the love. I liked uh, that they use a Raul Dahl kind of standing character in there as well. That was kind of fun. Um, and Dev Patel, I think, was probably the most impressive. Him and Cumberbatch are, and well, and uh, a little bit of Kingsley in there too. Um, but a lot of it was like the same type of people over and over, which I kind of liked too. It kind of felt like, you know, Wes Anderson put up a, a theater camp and then did a <laughs> bunch of taped Raul Dahl things and in, in, in the most impressive fashion, and then uh, did it. So. I can't recommend this to you, Shane. I don't think, you know, I think you said you tried one of them and couldn't make it through. I can't tell you that it would be worth the effort Uh, for someone like you. I'm speaking literally directly to you, (laughs) but I think out there, if you're, if you're a Wes Anderson fan that just liked Asteroid City a lot more than you and I did, this probably works for you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like you said, uh, I tried to watch the first episode. And I'm watching it, watching it. And I'm like, God, Lee, this is 40 minutes. And I was like, how? I kept looking. I'm like, we're only 10 minutes into this thing. Like, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think much like current Wes Anderson, if you're a big Wes Anderson film fan, you'll be all right with it. You'll be rocking with it. You'll probably even praise it. And if you're not, and you're thinking he's on a, on a, on a less of, yeah, I don't want to call it a backslide, but like, you know, if you thought his older stuff was better and, and you're, the more modern version of Anderson is not your bag, uh, probably don't bother because it'll probably just beat you down. Um, so, yeah, so that is out. All four of those are out now. It went Wednesday through Saturday. So that was uh, an interesting thing. And, yeah, I, I dug the release schedule. So I think I would be I would like it if another like auteur kind of filmmaker did this where like made a bunch of shorts for Netflix. I would be into that. Yeah, I would too. Especially because Netflix kind of cares about winning Oscars and an Oscar short thing. It's easier if people like this are doing it. So we'll see. We'll see if he ends up getting any credit for it in in an Oscar fashion for that. Um, And then, of course, like I said, they're on a heater with all these things. And Fair Play is their next one coming out this Friday. I've seen it. I, I can't make a recommendation like reptile um because i think this was 80 percent of the movie is like really good and really worth talking and the tension's awesome and again another one of those type of movies that you don't see a lot kind of like a an office you know kind of post me too drama you know where it gets really messy um and says a lot of things that a lot of people need to hear i think people who liked promising young woman are probably going to eat this up a little more than maybe mm. others um but it's not it's not as overt as that one but it has you know similar messaging um but in a different uh landscape being more in the high finance and the in the workplace and everything else so that'll be interesting to see how the response come out 
I said this, and the Mike, Mike, and Oscar guys I, I talked to about it. That I said to them, I said, don't be surprised if this movie gets a ton of play. A ton. Because you're talking the lead actresses from Bridgerton. So you already have that built-in crowd who's going to be interested. They're, you know, it's kind of like a, a sex interplay relationship drama that goes awry that's like catnip for certain groups so and especially if they are bridgerton group it's not that far a leap you know in terms of that on top of the fact that this is going to be a divisive movie where people are going to go seek it out based on the divisive reactions that they're going to see probably on a twitter or through the critics so i'm interested to see a number on this after like a first four weeks kind of thing and see if it beats out some other titles. Cause honestly, most watched Netflix movie of the year is not a tough uh, number right now. Because if I had to ask you, Shane, you watch a lot of these too. It's not just me who is, you know, a critic for these things. What would you think is the most watched Netflix movie so far this year? Uh, like Netflix original movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. If I had to throw some out there, Extraction 2? And I think that is like third or fourth. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was shocked by that. Um, I'm pretty confident it's you uh, you people. Really? I'm pretty confident that's the one. It's, it's basically between, I think Murder Mystery 2 was three. I think Extraction 2 was four. I want to say you people... And your place or mine, like the bigger the stars, I think were the ones that worked. Wow, especially because they went early on. I would have never guessed that. Yeah, so I was a little bummed. I thought it was Extraction Two as well, and then I saw some. And again, I don't know if it's if that was like first twenty eight days, like first month tallies, or whether it was a longer tail, like throughout the year so far. But last I saw them, like the ones that at least started out the hottest, which is the bulk of the watches, I'm pretty confident it was it was those two like fighting it for the time. Wow. Okay. Crazy, right? That is crazy. Yeah. So, and you know, again, like something like Heart of Stone or something like like a big star in a different way. Nope, not that. So. Wow. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, I would still say watch Fair Play mostly because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the crazy unfold. I want to hear all the people going, God, that's wild shit. I told you, I was like off mic. I was like, I, I felt unclean. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I I didn't know how to react. I still am like debating how I'm going to write this up. So it's one of those. So if you want to see how my thoughts will unfold, uh, look out for my review um, coming out to what's on Netflix on Friday. Um. But sticking with the Netflix theme, you are also a big sex education fan. You've been going this whole way. What is it? Season four just came out? Yeah, season four just came out. So what'd you think, buddy? Where, where are we in this world? Like, what appeals to you with this show, and where are they now? Is this the last season? The last season. This okay. is it. The fourth and final season. I, you know, honestly, it was an, it's kind of an offbeat comedy. I, I'm not going to lie. Scully drew me in initially. I love Julian Anderson. Yeah, she's in my top. Crush thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's in my top three of all time, and she's. This has nothing to do with the show, but I I will say she is one of the few women who just get better looking as she ages. This, yeah, I'll just incredible. leave it at that. She's it's incredible. an X file all to itself, buddy. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, but no, you got you know Asa Butterfield mm -hmm. and 
just the cast again this is quirky it was the first couple seasons were just crazy and outrageous and funny and just stuff we went through as teenagers trying to figure everything out puberty and all that relationship stuff and it was it was it was good i liked it the writing was strong um i thought it dipped a little bit in the third season so i was like hmm do they really need a fourth season but i will say because now they're post high school. So you have a okay. group that went to a local college. You got Maeve, who is in America trying to be a writer. And this is, you have uh, Dan Levy kind of cameos in this show. He's in four episodes oh. for a couple scenes. Yeah, he plays the professor. So you have like, you know, friendships broken or at least uh, fractured as they're starting to drift their own ways post high school, which is what happens to most people. You know, yeah. they start trying to figure themselves out and go through life. Uh, so it has heart, and that's another thing I like about the show. It does have, at its core, it does have heart. It, again, the cast is strong. Outside of Asa Butterfield, I can't pronounce his name, but he was in the Barbie movie. Uh, Nakutu Gatwa plays Eric, his uh, his best friend, essentially. Okay. And he's just funny and hysterical. And uh, Maeve also was in the movie, uh, Barbie. So, again, they had three <laughs> people from this show in the Barbie movie. That was mentioned, uh, I guess, um Greta Gerwig, I heard, is a big fan of the show. So I think that kind of helped that she was like kind of binging it and then casting at the same time and had one of those. So that's what I heard. Yeah. So now I will admit not every individual storyline works for me. Um, But overall, if you're a fan of the show, I will say this is one of the few shows that sticks the landing perfectly, like perfectly. I thought everyone's story ended at its logical conclusion. I thought it was well done, well thought out. Uh, just a very nice way to wrap up this series. Uh, so I, again, I watched the whole fourth season like in two days. So, yeah. and there are eight episodes and it's like 55 minutes per episode. So, you know, you, you got to spend some time in here. Yeah. But o- overall, just a, a well done. I really think it's still underviewed for a Netflix show. A lot of people... You have your core fan base, but like the general pop doesn't really know about this show. Sure. Because there's a long gap between season three and four, like a long gap. Yeah. Like Stranger Things long gap. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hop back on with such education. Again, it doesn't all click with the storylines, but the majority, I'd say 80% of it, it locks you right back into like the first two seasons. So you know, if I had to rate this season as a score, uh, which sometimes I do, I'd give it a four out of five. It's hard to have that long of a tail and still keep going strong. So that's impressive. Um, right. And I'm sure, like you said, it's probably due to that strong casting that seems to to permeate into other things. So that's great. And it might have a Barbie effect. Who knows where maybe people will join in now. Now that you got kind of a lot of them all swept up into something that was so massive. I so hope we'll so. see how that goes between that and just the Netflix effect. You never know how that's going to go. Um, that's cool, man. Especially now that it's over, that would be appealing to me and a lot of other people who like to do kind of the full binge, like a whole series binge, just eat it all it, up. Yes. And it is very bingeable. Yeah. Excellent. Good to know, man. Uh, that sounds like something I would like to check out. Um, something we both did check out though, started uh, this week as well. That I'm at least really excited to talk about. Uh, and I'm I'm actually mad at myself that I'm saving it for last. Gen V came out uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, dropped three episodes, which I believe is this a is this a 10 season like everything else is? I know? would have to believe so. Yeah. So 
I think this was something that I wasn't that impressed by the trailer. I got the concept in a sense. I was like, yeah, it's kind of like New Mutants for the boys universe in a way. Because this is the story of the uh, first generation of superheroes to know that their superpowers are from Compound V versus just like they were born with superpowers and it kind of just all came together. They're in a school environment in this one where it's kind of like a like a high school, college age kind of a, a thing where, you know, again, it's all soups and they all kind of power rank and kind of look to to get ahead, to get into things like the seven or get a contract to defend a city, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of fun in terms of like the gamble, the game, the, the, the risk involved. I think they did a great job of how they entered this world with the, uh, the Marie Murrow character and Mm -hmm. how she kind of enters in and then opens up the universe from there. I really like that. And of course you're going to see some familiar faces if you're a fan of the boys as well. And man, right off the <laughs> jump, you're like, I'm absolutely watching a show that's a spinoff of the boys because they also don't pull any punches and have some, you know, really violent, really disgusting, really intense stuff right up front. <laughs> they don't give a shit. And I love it. And uh, these first three episodes, it blew me away. Because uh, I was just like, I thought, I, I think because I had such low expectations, it, you know, for a spinoff, it didn't really have the stars, you know, that I was like, okay, what am I expecting here? I was really into it, Shane. Were you the same as well? Yeah, we got to finish strong, buddy. And this is what we're doing because a- absolutely. And I didn't, yeah. my expectations weren't as low as yours, but I, I was skeptical because the boys, we've, we just gush over that damn show. We do. Yeah. And I was like, man, how are they going to kind of live up to that? Yeah. And they hit all the right notes, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, again, with the Maria Moreau character and the Andre character, who both coincidentally are both from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which was also on Netflix. Oh, okay. Boom. Yeah. That, both. that version, the newer one. Yeah. The newer one. Both on that show. I found that very interesting. Uh, but yeah, this show pulls no punches like the boys. Same tone, same humor, just same disgusting, gross out. I had laughed because you had the little cricket scene. Yeah. The cricket scene. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is what we're doing. Yeah. But I like, like you said, I like the the ranking system where they're kind of like, I don't know, just always going against each other. Like they have to kind of like do their – they have to be selfish, essentially. They have to like prop up their rankings, which I thought was interesting uh story concept for this uh school setting so i like every character in this show i i really and no spoilers but i thought the uh patrick schwarzenegger is that his name patrick patrick schwarzenegger golden boy or whatever yeah yeah i that took a turn i didn't oof, when that ha- when that scene happened with i was like oh okay this is where we're going man i was i was i was locked in dude they now, someone asked me, do you like this as much as the boys? Now, right now, it's it's not to me. It's way I was, too early to say it's that. It's way yeah. too early to say that. But I do like all the references, like you said. Like, they had Black Noir posters in the room, and they had the director from the the Seven movie from the boys yeah. <laughs> yeah. teaching, teaching Teach drama, drama class. class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was cool how they tie. They are tying kind of everything in, man. And I watched all three episodes in one night. And, I um, did, too. It's it's it again. I wish 
they would just drop all the episodes. I know. I would never sleep. I would never sleep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would have had this done by now. It's that good. Oh, absolutely. And on top of it, like Clancy Brown is really good as kind of almost like, um, what's, uh, what's Sutherland's character from hunger games. He kind of had snow, right? Snow. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He had kind of like a similar ish vibe, but obviously for the, the university setting, the Dean esque kind of like puppet masters setting in that, I thought he was really good. I also like that this move, uh, this show, has a almost a better lock on I've seen a lot of like shows and movies try to attempt to show like a world like now like this current generation of you know high school and and college age kids to where it's you know oh they grew up on social media they're so self-absorbed but really depressed and have all these feelings and everything else and and that kind of lifestyle I thought they did a better job of showing it here than most shows that are actually only about that yeah, I thought oh, this was like, yeah, it, it takes the concept of how these kids feel now anyway, and then amps it up because it's the soup, it's the competition and everything right. else that's well, like really elite style, you know? Yeah, like the, the in, again, no spoilers, but you had the cricket scene where she kind of talks to what she thought was her friend, and then that kind of yeah. falls apart, and you're like, wow, man, these people are just all about getting likes and follows and yeah propping themselves up on serious issues too i mean you know like you said mental totally. health and uh body dysmorphia image and yeah you know all that kind of thing so again they i love this world that we're in and they do a great job eric uh, krepke as like kind of the showrunner yeah um, and evan goldberg still involved, and evan goldberg yeah. Yeah. yeah so man just this keep this freaking rolling brother like i would watch every spinoff they put off of the boys universe right now yeah, it's a high recommendation for me. And again, only three episodes in. I really hope they land it. And I hope it keeps going. Like, to me, right. I'd, I would totally be in for, you know, kind of, I don't want to say the Marvel kind of thing because I don't want it to be so grossly kind of overlapping to death. But, you know, if they did kind of how it's going to be, I think we're going to get a, a boys season pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if, again, that maybe got shuffled back a little bit because of writer strike uh sag strike stuff but yeah if they if they wrap this up and then we get a boys season not too far off and and maybe even teases because it's kind of in tandem did you get Mm -hmm. a lock on kind of the the world because again we are they showed all a lot of the drama from the previous season right because they talked about Maeve they talked about where Homelander is right now and in the world and they showed the fallout from the um uh that kind of like Nazi-esque character that was going along with Homelander so a lot of the stuff that's in those storylines are already done here yeah so I think they're running in tandem right yeah they are running in tandem that's that's what the impression I got yeah, so that'll be interesting. I, 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 I like part of me likes this so much. I want to keep them separate, you know. <laughs> but it's I don't hard want to, it to cross over. Interwo- yeah, they're interwoven too much. Yeah, I know, but I don't want to see like Homelander drop in while they're still developing these characters. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to see that. I, you know, and I have no. I didn't read anything. I don't know anything. My gut is I don't think we'll see Homelander. Maybe like in a new, like on the news or something like that. But I yeah, don't which think they've we'll already done. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll physically see. I could see them dropping in like uh, not even a Maeve, but uh, the the fast runner. What's his name? A train. Yeah, I could see like an A train popping in for 
for some reason, like one or the deep, maybe yeah. that would be hysterical. But no, Which I again, think they they've w- done in video right. form of things. Yeah. But I think they as far as mingling the cast, I don't think we'll see that. I think they'll keep them separate. Yeah. Again, good stuff, man. I, I love that we got to end strong. I love that this show exists now on a week to week basis. Once we get some of the things that maybe we weren't liking so much out of the way. Um, so between. Yeah. If we get Loki, Gen V and, you know. I I haven't kept up with the Continental or the Changeling. That's that got swept up in. They again, got swept under stuff. the rug this week. <laughs> yeah, a little bit too much uh, on that. So maybe I can go back to to that at some point. I feel bad because, like you said, we're we're all getting overwhelmed at the moment. So we'll see how it goes. Um, as as we're looking in October, you uh, I, I I guess you didn't see Saw X. Do you have plans on any of that stuff? Do you care about the Exorcist? Uh, Is Exorcist this week? It's this week, right? It's this week. Yeah, I will check out the Exorcist. That's on my list. It looks. Good. Is it on your daughter's list? Because a lot of times that's how you end up seeing these things. It, it you know for this one we saw the trailer when we were watching the Nun Two and she looked at me and just shook her and she was no I draw the line at the Nun Two. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, she was like, no, I'm not seeing that one. Yeah, she's looking four to five nights at Freddy's. So I'm like, all right, that's more her speed <laughs> right now. Yeah. And that's it's a little da- jokey. Just, it's built for teenagers. Yeah. Just a chip off her old dad's block there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, The Exorcist, yes. What was the other movie you mentioned? So Saw X, we got, oh, it just Saw, came out. Yeah. And then. Even though, if you look at the Saw series now, this, I think this current one at 10 is like the hot, like, critically is scoring the highest out of any of the saw movies so i heard yeah not not enough to draw me in like i i, I <laughs> it's champion, a home it's a home view yeah yeah i best. championed the saw series i love the first one love the first one like the second and third but then they got you know they got b level horror and they you know, whatever i i watched them on home video or streaming and i was fine doing that yeah but i'm done going to the theater for the saw franchise did you see i think already think i saw it right none two already has a home release date do like they re- they're, okay, they're do gonna that. they're gonna try to get this out so people can watch it during the halloween period at home oh, okay that'd be smart yeah i mean it's kind of you know i think again it was saw x paw patrol the creator but i think coming in fourth i think was still none two so okay i think it's still making some money but i think they can see the backslide to where it's like they'll probably have a better chance of making a bunch of money doing you know 20 hour rentals or whatever right well not to get too far in the weeds i mean the new teenage Mutant ninja turtles just got dropped on paramount plus yeah streaming yeah i feel like that was a really quick turnaround yeah (laughs) that movie i feel like paramount does a quick yank and i think especially with um with the animated stuff with kids stuff i think they I don't want to say they rush it, but they get right. they get they give it its time. It's a smaller window. They're very like to get it onto their platform. Right. I was just a little so. surprised by that. That's all. Yeah, because I think Paw Patrol is going to do the same thing. I think it'll do like a month in right. the theaters at best, and then it'll be on Paramount Plus before you know it. So interesting stuff, man. Good things. Um, we'll we'll look forward to more gen v coming oh, up absolutely like i yes. said i really want to know your thoughts on fair play when play. that hits netflix we'll also have our thoughts on loki as that premieres i don't know if it's a multi-episode i'm gonna guess no i'm gonna say no 
um, because that's not how they've been doing things, and they want to string these things long enough to keep you on the platform. So that's my guess. Haven't looked into it, but I assume that's how we're going to do it, and we will cover it, of course. Um, and then we'll we'll see. We got some upcoming things like Fall House of Usher and some other Halloweeny type stuff, as well as Killers of the Flower Moon. I mm-hmm. saw is uh, in a couple weeks as well uh and then we'll of course give our report on uh the eras tour <laughs> movie as well that uh i'm sure shane you said you don't have an imax near you and i feel bad because if you're gonna watch taylor swift you want to see her 511 frame in <sighs> boots probably 6 one frame all in her glory with those songs blasting in imax which i am doing Ugh, I'm so glad I don't have an IMAX near me. The nearest <laughs> one's like an hour and ten minutes away, so I'm safe. Yeah, not gonna happen. But um, good job by you today, man. It's a great episode. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Obviously, if you're out there and you like what you hear, go give us a five star rating wherever you're checking us out: Apple, Spotify, etc. Um, subscribe, tell a friend, do the whole thing. Uh, thank you again, and and join us next time for more recent activity.